Hi, I'm Dewan and Only, and you are currently listening to Insatiable, hosted by Lori of the Sex Reporter and that other guy who occasionally is on her station, Smiley. But we all know who really wears the pants in this relationship, and that is me. But enjoy listening to what she has to offer you today. What's up, guys? It's me, Lori, a.k.a. Loretta Chow, the sex reporter and co-host of the Insatiable Podcast with Smiley. So question, how many dates would you go on with a person or how long would you see a person or talk to a person without sex before you start questioning what the hell is going on? This, of course, does not apply to those who are living a celibate lifestyle, but even hypothetically speaking, even if you're not single, what length of time do you think is acceptable before you start questioning the other person's motives because like they're not willing to sleep with you or inviting you in or stuff like that is there a new standard in 2018 now that we've got you know the proliferation of dating websites and everything else i would like to hear what you guys think before i give you my answer first of all colons from over the weekend is e for energy from after tech he is responding to an episode of the insatiable podcast in which smiley and i talk about uh, you know, one last hurrah before marriage and whether people would take it. And also just the whole subject of whether you should get married in general if you are the type of person to think it's scary to only have one person for the rest of your life. Last point from E for Energy on the subject of marriage. It is definitely perfectly understandable for people to want to be only with that sole person in life. It's not too far-fetched. I do think it's a construct that has been brought about within society to a certain point and people have been pushing that that's the only way. I think for some people it is, but I think there's a lot of people out there that actually enjoy having cake and eating it because no offense, why do you have the cake if you're not going to eat it? You feel what I'm saying? But people have to be really honest with themselves. So going into a relationship with anybody, they need to let that other person know like, hey, I like you, but I'm going to be looking at other people because I like to eat cake and put it simply like that. That's my last two cents on it. I'd like to hear your comments on this personal comment. I think you're right that honesty with yourself is key. But here's the issue. When we have been socialized to to only strive for that goal that marriage that monogamous relationship to last us the rest of our days then can we really be honest with ourselves if all our lives people have told us the right thing to do was the opposite of what we wanted i think you're right that a lot of people are probably naturally polyamorous i mean as in people want to have their cake and eat it too like yes some people really just don't want to um like have sex with one person forever but because they're told that that's wrong and immoral behavior they deny it to themselves they don't want to be known as that guy who can't keep it in his pants or that girl who like can't stop hoeing around or however it is that people shame them and so it becomes very difficult and it becomes even more difficult even if you do admit it to yourself but then you fall in love with a partner who is socialized just the same way as everyone else and you know that if you told them the truth that despite loving them, you'd still want to have, you know, occasionally have sex or see other people that they would that they would it would hurt them and it would, um, you know, it might end your relationship. This is the reason why we label people sex addicts sometimes when scientifically people are debating whether sex addiction is even a thing. 
Um, you know, just because you're a hyperactive sexual person or you would like to have multiple sex partners, does that make you a sex addict? Or are we just socialized to see that as being more than normal or different than normal? I don't know. Um, they haven't actually definitively figured that out yet because they, I think the issue is that they don't see the same type of um, chemical response in the brain when you're talking about a person who has quote unquote sex addiction versus a type of person who has a nicotine or an alcohol addiction. In this case, I think they're saying it's more of a behavioral addiction, which might be the which might be true. But either way, um, what I'm saying is there's no definitive proof that it is in our biology to be monogamous. But because um, everyone assumes that we should, it almost doesn't matter. So, you know, if you don't want to be labeled a freak or a perv or a sex addict or some other deviant label, then you need to adhere to these norms like getting married and all that stuff. And you probably even have convinced yourself that you want it, which goes back to smiling in my conversation because I, I think that there is there are a lot of men out there, actually there are a lot of people out there even, who look at marriage and think, man, this is like a death sentence, right? Tomorrow I get married. Yes, I love this person. I do want to spend my life with this person, but that means I can only have this one person as a sex partner for the rest of my life, and that sounds awful to me. And I ask those people, well, then what are you doing committing yourself to that? Why not go into the marriage with an open conversation about, you know what, this is something I'm not looking forward to, and rather than fall out of love with you because I feel like I'm in prison, why don't we talk about an arrangement that works for both of us? Yes, you might lose your partner, but at least you're not denying a huge part of yourself. I, I think more people should ask that, and I think some marriages might last longer if people did. Um, I mean, personally, I don't know how I would react if my partner said that to me. I am a monogamous person. I would like to be partnered with another monogamous person as well. But you never know what people are willing to do for love or what people are willing to get used to if you start enabling people to get used to it and we stop judging those people for getting used to it. Does that make any sense? So on a separate note, do any of you guys have that friend or that group of friends who always comes to you complaining about the dating process and like hating single life because they're always talking about what other people lack in terms of what they want? Like they've got their 10 things like they don't want the person to be um, a, a smoker. They don't want them to go party too much uh maybe they just think that the person is like doesn't have a good enough job or doesn't drive a nice enough car or whatever the case may be there's always something wrong with the people that they date and it's always like some arbitrary thing that has nothing to do with whether they actually like the person i mean we all have complaints like i joke around with my friends all the time like when i see guys and i don't like them I always like, you know, analyze it a little bit and come up with some things about them that annoy me or that just make me unattracted. But ultimately, what really matters, I know to myself, is whether I like the guy or not. If I'm not feeling the vibe, there's probably 10 reasons why, but the point is I don't feel the vibe. Well, there's some people who just, it's like they don't know what the vibe is, all right? And it's more about like a person meeting their requirements or catering to their needs? Does, does this person have a lifestyle that matches mine? Do they like the same things? Are they going to want to go to nice dinners with me because that's what I like? And I think it shifts the focus too much onto like looking for someone to like fill a role, like to be your maid or to be your employee than it is looking for a person to really connect with. True human connections are rare and I think that that's partially why people fall into this trap because you meet so few people that you really, really just enjoy fully like that, that 
it becomes tempting to start trying to like fill in the spaces in between. So you might be dating around and, you know, it's been a while since you met someone that really got you excited or feeling really passionate. So you meet someone who kind of gets you like you're, they're kind of OK. They're nice enough. They're attractive. And so you try to ram them into that role of being the excitement in your life. And it just doesn't work like that. It's not organic. And I'm not saying that like that initial infatuation is the thing that's going to carry you through an entire relationship. But if you can't even get fired up about someone in the very beginning, think about how hard it's going to be to sustain that over a long term relationship. I mean, if your goal is to do like an arranged marriage type of situation where you find someone who's good on paper and you just decide to place all your bets on that person and commit to them legally and, you know, just make do with what you have. Fine. But, you know, there is also there is marriage for love or you know maybe i'm a hopeless romantic but i don't think you know romance and infatuation and all that is supposed to be the end-all be-all of a relationship but it would be nice to start one that way um and i think what a lot of people have difficulty with is they want someone good on paper but then they also want that feeling and when they don't get both they're like what's happening and then they're not willing to put as much work in on their end because they're just not that excited about the other person for me i I generally know that something is worth exploring if when I look at a person and I stop asking myself, what can this person do for me? Or how can this person fit into the lifestyle I've created alone? And it becomes more about, I just want to see this person and I want to see this person happy. I am starting to get to know what gets this person excited and I want to be part of that. And, you know, you start thinking about how you can do things together and it's just less about serving yourself, if that makes any sense. And if I don't feel that, if I'm still, you know, trying to fit that person into my life and not really willing to make any compromises for them, and I'm not just generally excited to make them happy and to see them excited, then the vibe just isn't there. And that's my signal to drop it. I know that among the listeners to the station, there are lots of people who have been in long committed relationships. There are a few of us that are single. So I'd be interested to hear what you guys think about all this. Going back to my initial question of the day, though. I asked this because I talked to a friend recently who was like explaining how some process with dating had broken down between him and this girl. And in telling me the story, it was basically revealed that over the course of two months, they waited, I think, more than a month to actually have sex. And then afterwards, didn't immediately do it again. So that just to me was very strange because it's just not the way that dating process has worked for me in general and i'm wondering how long you guys would be willing to put up with that because i don't think i'd continue dating a guy if like seeing him regularly and talking to him all the time and after a month he still hasn't tried anything or indicated to me that he's interested at that point i'd be like okay obviously we're just friends or something I think the timeline probably changes with age. Like um, now I'm probably willing to wait less than I was when I was in my early 20s, say, because, um, you know, back then I was more inexperienced. The guys that I dated were more inexperienced and we were both feeling each other out. And it wasn't always clear what the end goal was. Whereas now it's like, all right, we're grown people. If we're going on a date. Obviously, there is a point to it at some point. Right. But I know that this is not the rule for everyone because I have also... Um, talked to a friend who when she said when she initially started dating her husband they went out for probably more than a month or about a month or something like that and they saw each other a lot over that month and she at by all other measures seemed to be seemed to think that she liked him and that he liked her and yet he had not made one move or invited her to his place or anything so she said that it got to a point where she literally just had to call him and be like so do you like me or not 
why haven't you made a move? And then that's how things progressed. And she had to like sort of push it forward. Um, and that's funny to me because I just like don't know what people are thinking sometimes. So let me know what you guys think and if you guys have any experience with that and how long you would be willing to put up with it. Next up, we have KMC on the whole issue of waiting and how he did it and women pursued him. Hi, Lori. I just wanted to call in about the question of the day, which is how long would you wait for sex? Now, I think I have a different answer than most people on this subject. For me, I would wait a long time because I went after women who I wanted to be around and sex was a bonus. Um, also, the women that I went after, almost all of them um, were not subtle about sex. They were pretty open about it. And so they went after me instead of me going after them. So, which may may have led to some of the issues that I talked about on my previous call-in. But anyways, uh, for me, I would wait, I would wait um, but I can also see why people wouldn't wait. So back then, I think it was a different era back when I was single. But from what I'm hearing today, it's a lot different. Because of Tinder, because of all the websites, I think not waiting is okay now because it's almost expected. And also, um, there, it still goes on, but uh, slut shaming is way less than it was back when I was in my heyday to say, but, um, it still goes on. Absolutely. But I think, um, hooking up now is, uh, more open than it was, let's say in the early 2000s, 2018 is a, is a different landscape with all the digital apps and Tinder and all that. So yeah, that's all I have to say about that. I think you're right. As much as I hate the continued slut shaming, because it definitely does do exist, it is better than when, you know, the early 2000s also when I was like, you know, I guess in college and stuff, and you had to sort of like basically not be that kind of girl, if that makes any sense. Like even if you were that kind of girl, you had to play like you weren't. I wasn't even in that situation because I was in a long-term relationship, but you know, you had to like put up this facade because if you were seen as anything less, then you would be seen as lesser, less like a lesser woman. But even these days, I feel like it's only changed superficially because people don't mind it anymore. They may not judge you overtly and think you're a bad person if you are willing to sleep with your, you know, with your date very quickly or very soon after meeting them. But that still doesn't mean they'll actually want to date you, like enter a relationship with you. And this, of course, there, the double standard applies because this mostly applies to women. So if you're a guy, you might not have any problem with having a sustained hookup situation or a situationship with a girl that, you know, had sex with you the first or second time you met her. But you still might judge her and be like, well, if she's that quote unquote easy, she's probably easy for everyone else. And therefore, I do not want to date her. So there still is a judgment there. It's just that what you're willing to do with that person has changed. And whether you might be friends with that person, those situations have changed. But underlying it all, the slut shaming is still there. The other thing that has definitely improved, though, I think, is that people are much more open to casual sex. And I think that that's probably a good thing because, you know, there some sex is just not meant to become relationships. And that's just the truth. And 
I think before casual sex was more okay, people felt the need to enter entire relationships with other people just so that they could have sex with them and just wasted more time and made everything more complicated. Um, What's better and worse? I don't know. I think it's just different. I think it's an evolution of the way people interact with each other and go through the dating process. So... And I think there are probably, you know, advantages and disadvantages to that. But thank you for sharing your view on this. I think when I say how long are you willing to wait, I'm talking way beyond uh, the first or the second or the third date. Like it's not the difference between one week or three weeks. For me, I'm talking about like people who will date for several weeks or months on end with no indication that the other person is physically attracted to them whatsoever. And That, I think, would be abnormal even back in the day when people were not having sex before marriage or fewer people were having sex before marriage. Even back then, you'd want the person, you'd lust for the person. The person could feel that you wanted them. But for me, it's like if I feel after seeing somebody for five, six weeks and it seems like they're just they just don't even want me. It's not even about whether we have sex or not at that point. I just don't understand why we're even dating anymore. But I don't know. Maybe that's just me. Hey guys, so actually I'm about to echo something that was echoed on Ashray Station from Jasmine Station. And essentially, it's going to be a little PSA for guys out there. Hopefully, it'll help you in terms of your attempts to get women's attention. And also, just to get something off our chest on behalf of all women, or most women at least. So the discussion that followed Jasmine's segment was really just about women who've all gotten messages like this and who all agree that is disrespectful. But I want to flip it around a little bit and also talk about it from the man's point of view. Because what I don't understand about these messages is that they don't fucking work. So what are you people doing out here? Like, I just don't understand what people try to accomplish with the shit. Like, are you trying to make the woman feel a little insecure? Make her feel like uh, an object of sexual desire? Or what? Like, what the fuck can you possibly expect to accomplish with a message like that? And whatever it is, you're not accomplishing it. You want to get blocked? I don't know. Probably not, right? You just want to get some type of reaction? You got to be a pretty lame-ass adult to be out here looking for people to block you for some sort of kind of like gratification because you need that much attention in your life. But I'm here to say right now that if you are a person who has done something like this or feels tempted to ever do something like this, Tell me what it is you are trying to do, and I will help you come up with a better way to do it. I promise. Everyone's a human being. Everybody has their own thoughts and desires and whatever. Somehow, some way, you got to this moment in your life where you became some lame person who leaves dumbass comments on girls' anchor stations or whatever their social media is. So why don't you just come out and say it, and maybe we can help you out a little bit, and you can actually do something effective and productive with your time. I know it's harsh, but the offer is on the table. Next up, we have Lotus calling in about waiting for sex. Hey, it's Aishabod. It's your girl, Lotus. Killing it in a kill Kali. Definitely calling in in response to how long would you wait? Um, is it to talk about sex or to have sex? Okay, so to be honest, let me tell you. Um, I believe it was Gabrielle, Gabriella Union. Gabrielle Union, whatever the fuck her name is. Um, she came out of a book a long time ago I read. Um... And this is also during the time that Sierra was like, you know, after she already had her baby, she was um, dealing with this football player, you know, and she was like talking about celibacy, want to wait for marriage, you know, stuff like that. 
and to be honest like okay and we have a lot of these friends you know they're like oh my god you know um i just read steve harvey's book and you know what um it's talking about the 60 days and shit or the 90 days was whatever the fuck and in my opinion okay so you waiting six to nine months and you then you having fun that's all good only to finally lay up in a bed and find out that the shit is three inches boy bye yo i almost spit my water out listening to the end of that message <laughs> um yeah i mean you delay it for what i feel like one of the big problems with those theories on oh you gotta hold off and everything else is that it makes it seem as if sex is only something the man wants as if it's not something we want too. It completely disregards women's desire. That's my first problem with those type of rule situations about waiting, you know, to, to put out and shit like that. The other thing is, look, I think that it makes sense for those people who feel that maybe they have become too, like they're unable to tell the difference between a man they truly want to have sex with or a person they really want to have sex with versus just having sex for the sake of having sex. I know that a lot of people in this day and age with Tinder culture and hookup culture and everything else do find themselves in that um, just doing things that they don't really want to be doing or doing things that they regret the next day. So in those cases, yeah, maybe waiting or slowing things down a little bit can help you with yourself. But as far as manipulating the situation and doing it for the other person or to, to keep suspense going or whatever the case may be, whatever the argument is, I think in a lot of cases it actually doesn't help. It just delays the inevitable. And what it, what, what it does is it makes everything about sex which is the opposite of what we usually want to accomplish. What I mean by that is, you know, think about people who, the people who don't want to have sex, the people who want to be celibate, or maybe they're still virgins, or people who just think premarital sex is dirty, whatever. They're entitled to their opinions, of course. There might be lots of other reasons why they do what they do. But those people tend to make dating relationships and the whole dating process much, much more about sex than people who are just having sex. Because when sex is a natural part of dating, it's just something you do with a person that you seem to like or that you think you could end up in a relationship with. It's not a huge deal. You get the sex out of the way, you continue to enjoy the sex, and you also continue to enjoy and get to know each other until that process either plays itself out or graduates to become something more deep. When you delay it, however, assuming you're not an asexual person, you're still thinking about sex and the other person is thinking about sex too. You're just not talking about it or not engaging in it so then everything you do suddenly becomes like this weird guessing game where you're not sure if the other person has an ulterior motive they're nice to you for three months you wonder is it because they know i've got a three month rule and they're just waiting to see when they can hit it or are they trying to break my rule they're trying to be the exception like nothing is then real anymore because you don't know what's what because all you think about is denying the person's sex and you're taking sex and making it into like a reward for good behavior or a reward for getting to know you. There is no greater reward to get to know a person than to get to know the person. Why does sex take away from a person's, you know what I'm saying? Like if you had sex with somebody and that takes away all their desire to get to know you, the sex wasn't the problem. The problem was that they didn't want to get to know you in the first place. You know what I'm saying? I mean, that's why I think that it's, celibacy is not wrong, but celibacy sometimes is employed for a very very misguided reason that usually ends up accomplishing exactly the opposite of what we're trying to accomplish and i i've had this conversation with my mother my mother was grew up you know under a very traditional strict conservative household she went to a catholic school and whatnot whatever she thinks sex is evil and all that stuff and she thinks that all guys want is to like get 
in, you know, to get you naked. And she thinks that that is a bad thing. She doesn't see sex as an enjoyable thing for women. And so, I, I mean, that's very sad. But then it also taints all of her relationships with men because she thinks they all have ulterior motives, evil motives. And um, it, and then she, she no longer can trust them as people. And, you know, to that end, it's like, well, at what point do you realize that you're not really getting to know people anymore and you're not letting them get to know you because you are more focused on sex than almost anyone else around you. Sometimes though, it's not even about celibacy because I know that there's people who are just, you know, they want to go slow and wait and whatever. But I have met some weirdos in my time where a guy will act like he's real interested in you, call you all the time, call you out all the time. And then it comes down to the end of the night and he's like, all right, well, I'll talk to you later. And you're just like, what the fuck just happened? Um, this surprises me every time. It's happened to me like a handful of times. And I hear other women tell me that it happens to them too. Um, with guys, I feel like maybe it happens less because the men just assume that the women are just like trying to play hard to get or whatever. But with men, I really don't know what the deal is. So if there's any guys out there who know, shed some light on that. I mean, um, you know, uh, KMC called him before saying that, yeah, he didn't really pursue the women sexually because they pursued him first. I don't know how long that process took, uh, but and, and, you know, sort of how that played out. Maybe he can elaborate a little further, but I just don't get the the whole like just not making a move at all, not expressing sexual interest whatsoever. I can't function as a woman in a romantic type of relationship thinking that it's all one sided. I just can't. Next, calling in about the same subject, we have Ray. Hi, Laurie. Calling in about the question of the day. How long am I willing to wait without sex before I start questioning my date's motives? Let me first say that after my divorce, I started dating heavily. And along the way, I went on a few dates where we had sex on the first date. That was amazing to me because after being married for a while, I didn't think that was possible. <laughs> but it did happen. But as far as how long I would wait, I would say 30 days. Because along... The dating process along the uh, 30 days I would drop hints for example and uh, after 30 days I would openly question the person's motives and ask hey what's going on so 30 days that's my max great question what's up Ray I think 30 days is really fair for any generation and any time within recent memory. So I would tend to agree because look, there's so many different values out there. Some people are ready on the first date, like you said, some people may not be, but by the time a month comes around, assuming you see the person fairly often, like you've already been on at least several dates, um, you, you, you kind of have to wonder a little bit, like, is sex even really on the table? Like, what are we doing here? Are we dating? Or are we just hanging out as friends? Like, what's going on? At that point, I think it's perfectly fair to ask. Um, and with the expectation, of course, that the person might say, like, you know what? I don't want to have sex with you or I want to wait longer. That's fine. But, you know, at that point, I think it's fair to want it to be known what is going on. For me, in some of these cases, the timeline is a little fast forwarded because I am... A picky person I tend to be picky and within a date or two I'd know if I am or I'm not interested a person or at least I'll know for sure if I'm like not trying to have sex with them right so it doesn't usually take me as long as a month to figure it out but if it takes the other person as much as a month that starts to set alarm bells off for me the main reason is that if I like you I'm probably gonna see you or want to see you a lot um, of course 
as much as schedule permits but you know i'm not the type of person to be like oh let's see each other once a week and have a quaint little dinner date like i'm not that if i'm into a person i'm really into it usually it's because the feeling is mutual somehow and we do want to see each other um immediately or as soon as possible after we have decided that we connect so assuming that that energy is going and that's like building up the momentum if 30 days later of that momentum building and seeing each other all the time or like talking to each other all the time and just being excited about each other doesn't culminate in something physical or at least seem like it's getting there then there is like a huge problem in my situations back on the topic of marriage we have reggie calling in from the weekend watcher Man, where's Coffee Black in all this? We got standards we got to keep up around this joint. Man, it's killing me. All right, let me talk about marriage and scripting a little bit, and I'll explain what I mean by scripting. Scripting is planning out and, and expecting a world to kind of adhere to a script. Uh, and for me, that, that happens from me on out and not everybody else onto me. I don't really know what anybody else's script is, and I sorry, just doesn't, doesn't occur to me very well. So it's really hard to script uh, somebody else in your marriage. Uh, it's, it's an active decision for me. It's, it's constantly playing jazz. And it takes a good partner to play great jazz together. Uh, and it's, you know, it's an active decision, meaning we got to continue to play this music and we have to do it by choice. Uh, just like sort of being a parent where uh, you could stop at any point. I mean, I could stop. I don't know about you, but I could stop at any point, but I choose not to. Um, and I never want to feel like I, you know, like I'm not making that choice and I never want to make the choice to stop. It's just me. Uh, but for me, it's the scripting thing is really hard because I think a lot of us want, um, or there's a part of my brain that wants the power of scripting and the world to adhere to that script, or at least another person or three to adhere to that script. And time and time again, I'm learning, I'm learning, yeah, it doesn't happen too well. You do the thing. Reggie, I absolutely love the analogy of jazz. It is jazz. It's exactly jazz. When you choose a jazz partner to jam with or whatever, you choose a person whose foundational abilities you have a reasonable, you know, confidence in. So you know this person knows what they're doing on their instrument and I like the way they play. I don't know what it is we're going to do today, but we're just going to play together. And then you do. And magic happens or it doesn't, but either way you can somehow work around it because that's the investment you made. You invested in your confidence in that person, I should say. And then the only thing that's carrying this improvisation forward and making it great is both of your willingness to continue to put your all into it. And that's what I think a long-term relationship is, whether that's marriage or not. And the reason why it's such an important analogy is because the contrast to that are people who are writing their own sheet music and just trying to get people to play it. And you're never going to find that exact perfect person to play exactly the way you want it to play because it's open to their interpretation. And also because everyone has got their own sheet music too. So who's to say that yours is more important than the next person's? And that goes to like our priorities within relationships. You know, if we're trying to create a pre-existing role and look, looking for the right person to fill it, um, it's going to be nearly impossible to get a 100% match on what we're looking for. And then even when we do, there is never a guarantee that it's going to play out the way we want it to play out. So 
Thank you for making this really great point. Now, I don't know if you meant to take this analogy further and kind of touch on some of the other aspects of marriage that we discussed, which was, well, is monogamous marriage for everyone? Like, do you need only one jazz partner in a lifetime? And I think the analogy actually does extend that way because you could play the most beautiful music ever with one person, but it doesn't mean that that's the only person you ever want to play jazz with. Um, I mean, that's my opinion. Personally, like I said, I am monogamous, but I think we do need to leave room open in this conversation for people who might just have other ways that they like to have music. They might want to have a bigger band. They might want to add some non-conventional instruments into the mix. I don't know, but you need to talk that through with a person and see what you know they're, they're open to and what they want to do and give them space to tell you what it is that they want so that you guys can decide how you want to make music. Next, we have Positive Gaming talking about waiting for sex. What up, what up, Positive Gaming? Um, I was that type of guy that didn't make a move because you don't, like, because if you're on a date or you're getting to know a girl, you want to be, you want to take your time, you know, you don't want to, like, rush things, you don't want to ruin things and stuff like that. So, I guess in my in my case, like, talk to them about it, you know, like, like if you're on a date, don't ask for a kiss. That's weird. Just just like ask her, like is this going good for us? Stuff like that. Take things slow. You know, that's my um case for it. I right, peace. Thank you for the call in, and I just want to be clear that when I say. Um, you know, the impatience can kind of work its way in a little bit after a while of not showing any signs of attraction. I don't mean that people should go out there and pressure people into sex. That is definitely not what I mean. I mean, with all the stuff going on about consent now, that is a problem that we have in terms of people expecting sex after, after any time. No one is obligated to give anyone sex. That said, um, I think it's totally cool that you take it slow with your dates. Like, I think everyone should. We should feel each other out. But um, it is a little puzzling if, you know, taking it slow turns into one, two, three, four months, ten months of taking it slow. And you're just with this person and you're like, are we ever going to have sex? Or are you, like, just chilling with me to kill time or something? You know what I mean? I think that there is kind of a time limit on it. And I think I might have mentioned before, maybe I forgot to say, I think that time limit does change as you get older because when you're younger, you know, you're still sort of exploring life. You don't really know necessarily how the dating map works out. But after a while, when you're hitting your mid-30s or later, you have been around the block a few times, you know how the pattern works out. And uh, you're hopefully dealing with another person who is at least, you know, half as experienced. So they also know what the deal is. And then at that point, it becomes a little weird when you're both adults, you both know that you're dating with the intention of having sex eventually, but then sex never comes up as a topic and it becomes like the elephant in the room. And that's when it becomes very awkward and not that you should pressure each other into it, but probably needs to be talked about. But anyway, thank you for calling in and giving your opinion too. So we've been talking all day about waiting for sex. And um, some of it, I think, is because people might be listening in halfway through the conversation. But I want to be clear about another thing, aside from just that I don't mean that we should be pressuring one another into doing something we don't want to do. But also, waiting for sex um, in the sense that you are making intentions clear is different than waiting for sex in the sense of like, 
how long am I going to put up with this person never putting out? There's, there's two different issues, right? There's people who by choice want to be celibate and it's perfectly fair that it's up to them to say, listen, this is not what I'm looking for. Sex is not on the table. I don't want to have sex, at least not for a month, six months. We want to take it slow until we're official, until you, you've decided you want to be exclusive or until marriage, whatever the case may be. It is your right to decide that you don't want to have sex until whenever it is that you do want to have sex. But that is different than not intending to have sex and dating a person indefinitely and stringing them along and never making your intentions known. Um, that's difficult because for some people, sex is very important and it's not wrong for it to be important to them. It is just something that they're looking for in a relationship. So if you are dating somebody like that and it's been going on for a long time and there's all this like weird, you know, unspoken um, tension going on because one person wants it and one person doesn't at a certain point it needs to be talked about and the um, you know it needs to be talked about whether the attraction even exists so I guess all this just circles back to the general point that I feel like I'm always making whenever it comes to any topic which is communication is so important and it's okay to have different desires it's okay to have different preferences as long as all of those things are being clearly and directly communicated so everyone can make the best decision for themselves based on real information. Next up, we have Aftertech calling back again uh, to raise a very important issue along the lines of the last segment. Collins with the back to back. It's E for energy again. Hey, on the question about why men are not being aggressive in a relationship or in dating, I think we really have to take a step outside of ourselves and pay attention to the news and pay attention to the Me Too campaign. I am not trying to get caught up in some type of scandal where they're assessing that I was just way too aggressive. Like, if I didn't read the body language correctly, then I'm possibly losing out on possible career opportunities or relationships with people in the future. So there are a lot of people that are like on pins and, e pins and needles because they don't want to overstep their bounds. And they could have some type of insecurity associated with sex. But I feel like what you're promoting as far as communication can kind of erase those barriers so that people know what playing field and what it is that's it all right last one i'm serious it's the last one thank you so much for putting out that psa to the the unquenchables and the thirst mongers out there that's putting a bad name for for most of us men especially out here on anchor like a lot of us we need help you know we're not able to read the signs apparently and we don't know the correct way to approach a woman that's just something that's not taught and the way it was taught is part of the same problem which is of course associated with rape culture or people telling us about uh was it masculine toxicity yes that's that's apparently a thing right now so you have a lot of people confused on which way to fall so please keep promoting the conversation about how to be approached and how to communicate what you want thank you okay let's start with the beginning first thing is that men did not start hesitating just after the whole me too thing blow up all right um the, the examples that we're talking about let's not conflate issues what i'm talking about here is stuff that has been happening all throughout my dating life so more than a decade of dating and yes there are some guys who are just like just they just never make a move it has nothing to do with being afraid of being charged with rape or accused of sexual assault or harassment it's just like dudes who just move slow um 
and it does sound like all the guys that call in are kind of internalizing it and make and saying like you know basically saying like they might have their own reasons for not being overly aggressive with women and i think there has been some misinterpretation over what i'm talking about because i do not think there is any excuse for a man forcing himself on a woman that's just straight fucked up and i think we all know what that is in its most extreme form aka rape if a woman says no it means no if you disrespect that or disregard it you are a rapist all right so let's not get that twisted now the gray area is where um a lot of women are talking about now quote unquote rape culture and that's where i think a lot of men get worried and we have talked a little bit about this before but i'll revisit again because like you say i agree it's very important and i think it's fair it's a fair point to make that men are confused by it because now we're starting to like question well what is rape culture and what isn't and that is actually one of the most important things to come out of me too which is that a lot of men who like to think that they weren't rapists because rapists were those scary guys in the dark alleys and those weird frat boys who just took you know put drugs in girls drinks and stuff like that and those were rapists and as long as you're not one of those people you're not committing any type of transgression yourself which is the equivalent of saying like just because i'm not a card-carrying kkk member i'm not a racist neither is true what needs to change in terms of toxic toxic masculinity which is also something you're bringing up now is that men don't realize that there is a sense of, sense of entitlement that comes when in a culture that we've developed both men and women in terms of women treat being treated like objects of sexual desire for the pleasure of men and this has happened for a long time women have always been seen somewhat as property this is the reason why women didn't have voting rights for a long time and why people were so against women working and making their own money and becoming financially independent we are as a society historically mostly patriarchal with some exceptions there are some tribes and stuff like that where that are matriarchies but in general men are the dominant gender and they rule the workplace they rule governments and they make decisions on behalf of women even in times when men were more gentlemanly, say hundreds of years ago, and they, or even decades ago, when they treated women as like um, people that needed to be protected and supported and taken care of, those were still times when women were seen as inferior. So fast forward to today, we think we have gender equality because women can now work and women can now vote. But the reality is that women are still seen as the weaker sex in a lot of cases. And yes, in some biological ways, women are different than men. Um, in some physical ways, women are possibly less capable than men, although there are exceptions to that. But when it comes to dating, we still have these weird unspoken um, like customs or cultures or assumptions that we make in the dynamics of dating. And men are not the only people who are guilty of this. Women also perpetuate this culture of, okay, men have to be the aggressors. If someone wants to have sex, men need to be the one who proactively seek it out. Why? Because if a woman does it, she's seen as being a slut or she's seen as being loose and too easy or devalued as a woman because she's supposed to be a shiny, virginal, chaste object. That is uh, the definition of a good woman is somebody who is pure. And so she doesn't want to devalue herself. So she's got to pretend like she doesn't want sex and that the guy has to come take it. And then she starts to treat sex like, in a, like a reward for good behavior on the part of the guy. So all of that contributes to this toxic culture where men define their own prowess as their ability to get women, their ability to bed women, and all this other stuff that comes with it. And underlying all of that, you know, is the very murky, nuanced argument of what is it to be a man versus a woman? And what 
does it mean what part of that is bad and what part of that is okay and i'm going to record a second part to this so i can fully explain it so we can talk all day about the philosophy and the history behind toxic masculinity and feminism and all this other stuff but that is too theoretical for what we're talking about right now which is how does this apply to each individual how are we as people supposed to change the way we behave because of everything else going on. Does it mean that no man should ever approach any woman? I do not think so. I think that it comes down to understanding two very basic aspects of the culture that we've built. One being the sense of entitlement, which I kind of mentioned in the last segment, but I'll revisit. And the other being a lack of respect for women and their right to free agency. There is nothing wrong with inherently with a person who is sexual. We are a kind of animal we have sexual desire and it's not wrong to express that sexual desire but is it wrong to expect that because we have sexual desires that other people are supposed to satisfy them yes we have no right to another person's willingness to satisfy whatever it is that we want we want what we want and we can ask people for it, but when they decide to decline it under any circumstance, whether they're in our apartment at three o'clock in the morning, whether we've been on 10 dates or 12 dates or 50 dates, it doesn't matter what the circumstances are. A no is simply a no. And if you're not sure if there's a no or if she's willing, you're not sure if you're reading the body language correctly, you ask. All right. Now, if a woman is, it's, it is very obvious when a person enthusiastically wants you. I'm pretty sure, I mean, if you've had sex before, you can tell when a woman is begging you for it and you can get to that point. But if she's not and she seems hesitant, like it seems like you are the one who's just pushing it onto her or forcing the, the sub- subject because maybe she's hesitant. Maybe as they often say, she's playing hard to get a little bit. She wants to, she doesn't want to be quote unquote that type of girl and you get that vibe from her. That is not your cue to assume, oh, she's just giving into that I'm not that type of girl shit. She's not, she's not on that, oh, I don't usually do this type of shit. Because yes, women do do that. But you cannot assume that her no means yes or her kind of no means I kind of want it unless you just ask her. Okay, so that is the clearest way. I mean, there, there's no ambiguity there. If you're not sure, you just ask. And if you get a no, that's what it is. Even if you feel like her body's saying yes, but her mind is saying no or whatever. I mean, that's real sexy in an R&B song. But in this day and age, yes, you need to ask. But on top of that, what we're learning from the Me Too movement is that sometimes she won't say no because she might feel pressured otherwise. The circumstances, there might be things that she's thinking that you don't even understand. You might be physically intimidating to her. You might ask her, but she might fear your retaliation. She might think you're gonna hit her if she says no. Who knows what she's thinking? And that's why you have to take into consideration that there are other factors, like some of these celebrities who say, oh, well, she didn't call the cops on me and she didn't run screaming out my apartment. She didn't slap me in the face. So I don't understand exactly where I went wrong. Like she didn't say no. It's not about the verbal no. It's about understanding that there are different power dynamics as well. So as long as you're cognizant of all that and you understand the difference between a person not saying no versus a person who really, really wants it, then you can go for the one that really, really wants it. You know what I'm saying? Um, That said, I also do understand that some sex, a lot of sex, would probably never even happen if it weren't for the guy actually being the aggressor and pushing the envelope a little bit. You know what I mean? Like tempting her, trying to move in for the kiss and whatnot. Like I understand how those nights go. And, And I think that women are part of that problem because women 
are just as much a victim to this culture we've built as men are. Women are tempted to be like, oh, kind of shy away. They want the, men to, the man to be the one to make them feel like they're taking it from them because in some ways it's a turn on and also in other ways it makes them feel protected so they have plausible deniability they can say well i didn't really want to but you know he was putting these moves on me and i couldn't like like resist him anymore um so there's that whole dynamic which doesn't get talked about a lot in the media so it can be confusing because men are like wait but then when that happens what is it really because i feel like that's the only way you know we can move this forward so that i gotta say look in most cases when it happens and it is con sensual nothing bad is going to happen you're not going to get reported the next day okay because in a lot of those cases you are reading her body language right she does want it and something about her i'm sure you can tell but if you are a guy who is known to be surprised if for example if you have been with enough women to know that sometimes you get shocked by the way they react to you that means that your senses are off and you need to recognize that about yourself if you find that in your history you have a track record of reading things wrong or being surprised by female behavior then i would you, you you need to get real with yourself and learn how to check yourself and just know that you know what i'm not too good at this so i'm gonna need to ask because other than that i can't be sure that what i'm doing is a violation or not it doesn't make you a bad person to be thinking these things because what makes you a good person is a person who has grown up within a culture that made this okay and now you're trying to correct it so try to correct it starting now is what i'm saying as women i think there are lessons that we need to learn as well i think that we need to learn for ourselves and to teach our daughters to vocalize their no it's 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 not okay for a guy to assume yes when you don't say no this is true but it's also not okay that we put it all on men to read it because there are going to be men who can't read our body language there are going to be men who pass the boundaries because they were raised in a society that didn't teach them otherwise so it's not to say we don't blame them but we need to be more communicative everyone needs to be more direct if you don't want sex and the guy's putting moves on you no matter what kind of pressure you feel we have to step up that power um that internal power and 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 tap that so that we can say no i'm gonna stand up for myself right now and say this is not what i want tonight and you're just gonna have to deal with it and even though some bad men will retaliate against us we have to understand our rights the retaliation part now is another thing that i think men need to realize because when we're talking about a culture of consent, you, can't, you cannot safely assume that a woman feels comfortable saying no to you if you don't make it easy for her to say no. So despite how badly you want sex and how much you want to figure out a way to get her to want it from you, you can't force her. And if you are giving any kind of pressure, verbal or nonverbal, for her to say yes, that's going to be pressure for her to say yes, even against her will, which is why I think the first thing that needs to change is that sense of entitlement, which I mentioned previously. When you go out on a date, no matter how much money you spent, no matter how much time you've invested in this woman, no matter how nice you've been, no matter how great of a guy you are compared to her last girlfriend or the other guy she's seeing, none of those things entitles you to sex. The only thing that entitles you to sex is her desire for it so that's that's really what it boils down to it's really not rocket science i know it seems like it is because of all these like unspoken things within our culture but the first thing we need to do like i said is to verbalize those unspoken things so that everybody's clear and on the same page when the other person is not verbalizing it we need to ask them to because 
we cannot play around anymore. And then the third thing is that we have to stop expecting people or thinking that we're entitled to people's affections, not just sex. Because when it comes to feeling a sense of entitlement, women are also guilty of this in our dating culture. We go out with people thinking, well, if I do this and I do that, then I should get treated like this. No, you shouldn't get treated like anything. Every person is their own person. They're independent, they're free thinking. They have a right not to like you. They have a right not to respond to your messages. They have a right to be rude to you if they want to be, and you have a right to not speak to them anymore. And no one, no one, no one, no one has a right to touch you in any way that you don't want to be touched. And everyone needs to respect everyone else's boundaries. And that's just the bottom line. You know, when I, like, when I'm saying this out loud, I'm just like, it's really not that complicated. I understand it is more complicated in practice. But if you really, really commit yourself to respecting other people and to not feeling entitled to anyone else's attention or affection, then everything just becomes that clear and that simple. As for the sad, thirsty guys on social media, and first I have to apologize because some people are acting crazy outside my building and someone's blocking the road. But um, the, the thirsty guys on social media are part of the problem because they are acting crazy cause, and disrespectful because they see women as nothing more than objects of sexual desire, which is, of course, the underpinning of all the problems here in terms of sense of entitlement, in terms of um, sexual harassment and everything else. So they think that just because someone has a vagina, they can talk any which way to them um, and that there's nothing wrong with that because what are women for other than to be sexually appealing to men? But since I can't get into a person's mind and re-educate them or change their intentions, I can at least suggest a better way or a more successful way to get in touch with a woman if you think she's beautiful. And that would be to first see her as a person. Um, treat her as a person. So maybe actually listen to her content instead of only commenting on her looks. Try to figure out who she is and make a comment about that. All of that will suggest to her that you are not just some like thirsty ass guy who's just going to say dumb ass shit to her online and disrespect her. And maybe if you engage her on the actual content itself, she might have incentive to then respond to you and get a dialogue going. And then y'all can be, you know, on your merry way to doing whatever it is that you want, whether it's just like having a little bit of banter back and forth and keeping it exclusively online. Or actually, maybe you might get lucky somehow if she's in your city or whatever. I don't know what the case may be, What, but whatever it is it's going to be better than you just making yourself look like a fool on the internet with some of these cases though when i see like really really bad examples of comments that people leave not just on anchor but i have a youtube channel and you should see some of the dumb shit that people post under my videos sometimes that i just mostly ignore um have a little self-respect you know some of these guys they come off so bitter like they hate women they just want to say nasty abusive things to women because somehow some way in high school or college they got like mistreated by some girl they got dumped and they never got over it which also goes back to a sense of entitlement because look everyone gets dumped everyone gets rejected and what i see a common the common string of uh uh of, of traits that i see among men who do these stupid things tend to be that these are all men who some for some reason feel like they are entitled to a woman's affections. They think, well, I've, I treated this girl real well back in the day. I dated her, I loved her, and then she just dumped me for another guy or she cheated on me. And then they take that as an excuse to hate all women because they think, well, you ain't shit because when I treated one of you the right way, you didn't treat me well. So now it's like my I'm going to spend the rest of my life getting vengeance on you. Um, that's 
also, of course, the extreme case, but I see so many cases of this on the internet when people are hiding behind their anonymity and they they just say all these nasty things. And I, I get to the, I'll ask them questions sometimes. And when I get to the bottom of it, it always just turns out into them going on some rant about how females um, are out here and they only like certain types of guys. They only care about money and looks and, and that they're all disgusting into between certain ages when they're younger. So now when they're older, they're getting, they're getting theirs and whatnot. Like, is these are nasty bitter men and um i i could just reflexively say fuck fuck you guys because you're you know you got issues which they do but i sort of try to take a more empathetic approach and i think that they are misbehaving because they somehow along the way never got taught what it is which is that women are people and like i said earlier they have free agency and you have to learn to respect that and once you do you'll realize that you know what sometimes rejection happens sometimes people are not meant to connect with each other they're not meant to like each other uh you could comment the nicest comments in the world on someone's station or someone's channel and guess what they may not respond to you because they may not agree with what you say or they for some reason they may not have time for you and that's not a personal slight against you that's just a misconnection and with seven billion people on the planet don't worry there's many many other chances all right nothing's your last chance so just you know i i feel like all these things need to be taken to heart now that you guys have been subjected to that sufficiently long rant from me we have a call in from where the anchor holds on this whole subject of consent hey Lori, how's it going michael paul jess here from where the anchor holds i've enjoyed listening to your station today you've got a, a lot of good topics per the usual um, today's topics, uh, I think it boils down to education, you know, it boils down to education and good, decent, like moral, morally sound role models. Um, so this is kind of a, a call to action for, uh, men everywhere. We just need to, to help educate and, uh, just groom other men around us, whether they be our age or younger. And we just need to show them love and show them uh, the right way to uh, engage and interact with women. Uh, women are a blessing from God, and they are precious. And uh, you know what, men? It's time to step up. We gotta, we gotta uh, educate other dudes. Thank you for actually bringing up the subject of sort of peer or you know intra-gender education i guess you could say i actually have some ideas about this um and i want to get into 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 it in more depth but i can't at the moment so i'm going to save it actually as a topic for tomorrow so thank you for inspiring a topic for tuesday